0: Imagine trying to lead an organization without data. It's the blind leading the blind because you know you don't have a sense of how things are at that point in time. You don't have a sense of the flows, the ins and outs. Just having a data-driven view really opens up the world um, and allows you to have state facts, not opinions.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. This is the podcast that's all about the future of work and it's brought to you by Wonder. Claire Haydar is with me this week. She's the CEO at Wonder. We're busy talking to Robert Chan, who's head of People Analytics at City National Bank. Claire, what are we chatting to Robert about this week?
2: So Doug, following on from Robert's amazing story in terms of how he's created this role for himself within City National Bank, we're actually moving into the more practical aspects of his role. So we're actually looking at the people function as well as the data function inside an organization and how Robert with his very analytical financial background is able to bring these two areas of the business together and really surface some some really important and unknown insights that the organization can really benefit from. So what I'm really hoping our audience will get out of this is not just the practicalities of what he's doing in his job day to day, but also to really challenge our audience to think about areas where they may not be bringing two disparate parts of the organization together um, and really looking at numbers and data in a different way. Fantastic.
1: Also, towards the end of this part of the conversation,
2: we ask Robert to
1: elaborate on how to get started in your organization, looking at tech, data, and structure considerations. Robert, I'd like to maybe move on to, say, the second part of our conversation. And it's really more about people and the the data that you need to collect. Why is it important for organizations to start taking data regarding the people seriously?
0: I think that A lot of organizations historically have made decisions based on, you know, the hippo method, which is the highest paid person's opinion method. And
2: I love, I just, can we just pause there?
0: I've never heard that before. You've never heard that before? No, No. I didn't, I didn't invent it. I'm not going to take credit for it, but I read that somewhere. It's called hippo, the hippo method. The
2: hippo method. I Uh, absolutely (laughs) love that. I've also never heard of it. So that is literally going up like on a wall tonight. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. And, you know, while traditionally that's been the way that a lot of decisions are made, I, you know, studies show that that's not the way that decisions should be made necessarily. I mean, you look at organizations that are the most data driven, a lot of them are are the large tech companies, and you see that data oftentimes wins and you can't argue with data. It's there. And yes, some people can try to make the data tell a version of a story that they uh, push a certain narrative but you also are able to look at things more objectively so I would say that it's very important for data because it's um, provides a much more objective view of the state of the world and in addition um, can provide a roadmap to what should be done as opposed to just kind of um, the hippo method as I mentioned or just um you know' to try, try to Take something, think out of thin air, and saying, "Oh well, I think that this and this." Well, that's um, that's great that people have opinions, but if they're data based, then um, they're, they're just much more robust.
2: Robert, my next question that segues from the one that you know Doug has just asked is, what are the possibilities that this opens up for organizations? When naturally, there's the obvious ones that you've pointed out. Okay, all of a sudden, decision making becomes way better, accurate. Founded on fact, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But beyond that immediate benefit, what are the the opportunities that this opens up for organizations?
0: A wealth of opportunities. I mean, data is king, queen, you name it. Uh, it's 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 really. It allows organizations to have a longer term point of view that it wouldn't have otherwise, and it allows organizations to really make much more quality decisions than, you know, If imagine imagine trying to lead an organization without data. It's the blind leading the blind because, you know, you don't have a sense of how things are at that point in time. You don't have a sense of the flows, the ins and outs. If you're on the finance side, it's the, um, the revenues and the costs. And then on the people side, it's people coming in and out of the organization. So, yeah, I mean, it's just just having a data-driven view really opens up the world um, and allows you to have state facts, not opinions.
2: Can you give us some practical examples? So one of the questions that I, I want to dive into here with you, but they're sort of interrelated, is what are the goals that you're specifically wanting to solve for your organization You know, in this role of yours that you've created for yourself? But I think that also answers my question around some practical examples of, you know, the possibilities that it opens up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So people analytics, it's all around people and data. So a lot of things that we look at are things that you'd be interested in. A big one is who's joining the institution, who's leaving the institution, why are people leaving the institution, what's the makeup of people, who's getting uh, promoted, who's moving around. So it's a lot of the, it's a lot of, it's really around our internal uh, employee base and kind of the movements and trends and being able to formalize those things. So yeah, I think that these are very important questions, especially during a time when we know in 2021, everyone was very hot on the on the Great Resignation and 2022, a lot of these trends, you know, everyone, it's a hot job market and people are, companies are just wondering how to best keep talent. So I think that it was a very kind of opportune time for me to be in this role because it's something that, didn't have the level of focus before that it that, that it does now.
1: Yeah, before we move on, I mean, my one thought there you're saying is that things it sort of came up at a very opportune time with everything that was happening. Has your role changed in the last 18 months since you started it? Is it different now
0: to when you opened up? I think that's I mean it's different in the sense that the the issues are different. Um you know, I think when I was when I came into the role it was December of 2020 we're, we're still well in the in the midst of the pandemic and you know everything was remote and you know you just kind of saw different trends. I think now the world is opening up. We're dealing with with return to office, like how does that affect things, right? And then also too just kind of like, you know, looking at external labor market trends, and just looking at the economy. You know, Obviously, we know that inflation is an issue. Higher interest rates is an issue. How does that affect the, the labor market? So these are all things that we monitor. And so I think the role evolves as the world evolves in terms of what we monitor and look at. But the, essentially, it's the core idea is the same, which is you're still trying to create specific data-driven insights and uh, strategies and action plans based off of what you have and know, but it's just that the world changes. So you have to change along with it.
1: So you've spoken about what you've created yourself for your company. You've also said that it's not something that was completely brand new. It is, it is a part of um, what other companies are doing. But if someone who's listening wants to get started on this, on people analytics, where should they actually start? What, on both, say, the tech and the data side, as well as maybe the, the internal structure of their organization?
0: Oh, absolutely. Really, really, really good question. I think it's important to, first of all, have an interest because no one can teach you interest in this. So you have to have a natural curiosity for looking at data, not get bored by it and think about, okay, here's some data, but what is it really saying? So I think it's trying, it's it's, it's understanding that the data is there, but it's not useful unless it tells a story and being able and willing to be able to tell that story and finding meaning in it. So I think that's number one. I think in terms of the quantitative background, I mean, having a quantitative background definitely helps. Um, specifically, if what I've seen in the industry is that a lot of folks look for things like Python or R in terms of programming or SQL for data warehousing or data visualization, Tableau. We use Vizier in my organization, so just getting used to some of those tools. If you have no experience in those tools, take a class. There's a lot of online classes out there that you can find for very low costs that can just get you the basics of those tools so that you can go into a new role, not completely blind. And third, I would say, you know, it's, you know, this type of role is really a a mix between the quantitative and the qualitative. So understanding that, Relationships are very important, and I definitely lean on relationships that, that I built into the institution over the years, and making sure that your recommendations and your your strategies have practical value. So understanding the needs of your audience, and kind of and the audience being business lines, other leaders within the organization to see what can they better best do, and always having the sense of why, why should I care. So in terms of that it's like good to have a whole thesis laid out but then at the end of the day understanding the needs of your audience and saying like hey, what's the what's the what's the punchline what do i need to know what what is the specific action that i should be taking after reading this report so having that knowledge and having that view of things i think really helps in this type of role
2: so robert that was super useful because you've spoken specifically about the role itself can you give us some insights into the actual company requirements, if I could call it that. So going right back to the basics of what has to be in place for you to actually be able to access the data? So like, I'm assuming mm. that you guys have a data lake in place. Yeah. If a company doesn't have a data lake in place, how should a person wanting to move into this role work with ID, for example, to get that in place?
0: Yeah, really, really good question, Claire. I would say that to have this role in place, another couple of things needed to be in place. One, you have to have good data. You know, if you don't have good data, then a lot of the role is making sure that you have good data. And I'm fortunate to be in a position where we have a fantastic HRIS team to make sure that we have good data, data is robust, and I can focus more on the interpretation of data as opposed to making sure that we have good data. So that's one. Two is for this type of role, your organization has to be large enough. You know, I think that if your organization is too small, and when I say too small, I mean less than maybe even you know, several thousand people, then data driven insights from an hr perspective it you, know, you might not have the critical mass of people that you would need in order to create insights that are useful right because if you have you know a much smaller company let's say a few hundred people then if something happens is that a trend or is that not a trend is your sample size large enough so i would say that this typically You see it more in large organizations and the ideal state is to have very clean data that you don't have to scrub and worry about but of course that's never the case so
2: i was just going to say show me an organization with clean data (laughs) right (laughs)
0: exactly exactly. they do
2: not exist Uh,
0: exactly exactly so but but i think that's that those are the two ideal conditions to have
2: and
1: there for today we'll leave robert check out part one of our conversation to hear robert's lead up to this new role In our next episode, we conclude by delving deeper into what you as an individual can do if this career path change interests you. Catch up on Spotify, Google and Apple Podcasts, or on Wonders' website, wndyr.com. From Claire and myself, we'll see you soon.